so often I hear something along the lines of, if you're getting into coffee or coffee roasting to make money, you're starting with the wrong idea. This is not the business to make money. In. And I, I think that's triply true for publishing. <laughs> if, you th- if you think coffee is a bad way to make money, uh, try writing about coffee. We get the question, like, when everyone's moving to digital, why are you still doing print? And my answer is always essentially repeating the same question, saying, because everyone is doing digital, we stand out with high-quality print. We are the only one printed magazine now in China market. The other two, they cannot survive and they change to a training company and they focus more on the video now. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. Specialty coffee is an industry that is still quite young, but despite that, we've been blessed to be served by a highly passionate set of coffee journalists and specialist media businesses. These have played a crucial role in developing our industry from reporting, breaking industry news, elevating our industry via education, and tackling deep industry issues that require solutions. These passionate individuals and talented companies have helped steer our industry's present success. But despite all the great work and continued efforts, making a viable business in the media industry is not easy, and especially not in the specialty coffee industry. And recently, some have unfortunately had to stop the printing presses or even migrate to digital-only solutions. The pandemic was the final nail in the coffin for some, but just the latest in a long list of existential challenges that coffee media businesses have faced over the last two decades. So why is this the case? And how is the specialty coffee media industry navigating into the future? We are lucky enough here to be speaking with some really great people on the topic, including Michael Malkin of Standart, Nicole Wu of Coffee Tea and I, And we start with Nick Brown, founder and editor of Daily Coffee News, the digital side of Roast Magazine, one of Specialty Coffee's long-standing print magazines serving North America roasting and green buying professionals. Welcome to Fifth Wave, Nick. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Well, today's topic is about media in coffee. I wonder if you'd tell us about Roast and Daily Coffee News. Roast Magazine was created in 2003, founded by Connie Blumhardt in Portland, Oregon. And at the time and now, it was the only technical magazine dedicated to the art, science, and business of coffee roasting and related fields like green coffee. And then Daily Coffee News came out as a kind of complimentary piece approximately 10 years later in 2012. Yeah. And that is an online news site covering the specialty coffee industry, whereas Roast, of course, is a traditional print magazine. I should mention that Roast is also published in Korean. Our Korean partners came to Roast in 2011, and they wanted to start a coffee magazine. 
And rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, came up with a, a licensing arrangement. Yeah. So they translate and distribute the magazine in Korean. And oddly uh, enough, their model is more geared towards newsstands, which is different than Roast's magazine model, which is subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And they've found some success with that. Roast uh, magazine has also had a partner in Latin America, in Mexico City, that was Revista Roast. And also had a partner in China, but both of those titles, unfortunately, were pandemic victims. Yeah. I should say Roast has published books. We maintain the Roast of the Year competition. There's the coffee industry job board that we run and maintain, YouTube videos, and a pretty big social media reach and all that good stuff. The world is digitizing. Is there still a Mm -hmm. role for print? I came up in an old-school print journalism background. I went to journalism school, um, and in that world, print has always been under threat, right? At the dawn of the Internet, it was going to obliterate print. And, of course, it hasn't. Um, (laughs) So you could say in the 1970s and 1980s, Cable news was going to be the death knell for traditional written news reportage. Mm. And even 10 years ago, you could say Facebook was going to be the platform that was going to upend all other types of traditional media, including print. And all those things naturally have had an impact and a very big impact. But just as you see new platforms and technologies emerging, you're still seeing, even in the coffee space, new print products emerging. And I think part of that is because print continues to have such an endearing romanticism. I think a lot of people, when they think of roasts, think of a physical magazine on a workbench or on a coffee table with big, beautiful images that you can touch with your hand. As a consumer myself of media, that's my favorite way to consume anything when I have time. And I don't think that will ever die out completely mm. uh, in coffee or elsewhere. Mm. And if you don't mind me asking, how much money is there to be made in coffee media? One funny thing is people throughout the interviews that I do on a daily basis, so often I hear something along the lines of, if you're getting into coffee or coffee roasting to make money, you're starting with the wrong idea. Yeah. This is not the business to make money in. And I, I think that's triply true for publishing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you th- if you think coffee is a bad way to make money, uh, try writing about coffee. Do you feel that difficulty in, in actually making it work and making a living out of media in the coffee industry has got any better or any worse? I wish more journalists, reporters, photographers can get paid more and get valued more than they, they have traditionally in this business. If you look at the statistics, the publishing industry as a whole, at least in the United States, has been taking some pretty serious body blows over the last couple Mm. decades. And I don't think it's gotten any easier, that's for certain. Mm. There are also some sort of odd existential threats, I think, to the publishing industry in coffee and elsewhere related to things like distrust of media that's maybe been fueled by political rhetoric Mm. or just 
really bad work by people in the media. Yeah. You know, there are a number of threats to traditional consumption models and delivery models. Like, it's really hard to make a print magazine work now. It's really hard to make digital products work, especially when you're giving your content away for free. Yeah. How do you monetize that? And I think a lot of people have found tricks and methods here and there, but at the end of the day, what it all boils down to is just understanding with and engaging with your audience in a very honest and thoughtful way and truly responding to their needs and interests because I think people still seek, even in today's media climate, people are still seeking some kind of reasonably objective, independent source for information. And I don't know that that's going to go away anytime soon, even if people are bouncing around different platforms to get there. Are you seeing any worrying trends in the world of media? I don't know if you saw the recent study about more adults are now regularly consuming news on TikTok. Mm -hmm. We're talking about 18 to 26-year-olds. And then obviously, like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube are the top three sources where like teenage people are getting their news. Yeah. And granted, a 15-year-old now is going to be 25 in 10 years, and then, of course, 35 in 20 years. And at some point during that journey, it's not crazy to think that they would become a Rose Magazine subscriber. Mm-hmm. But those statistics, I always get a, a pang of horror when I read them. But then I remember that when it comes to news and news coverage, someone first has to pick up the phone and make a call or someone has to knock on a door yeah. and ask a hard question of someone. In other words, someone has to report the news. Yeah. And there's always going to be a place for that in the media landscape because there's going to be a need for that. Yeah. And it's the critically important thing to value because, I mean, not to sound too hoity-toity or anything, but a thriving free press is a critical cog of any functioning democracy. And so I think in terms of news and journalism, there's always going to be a platform for it. Nick, thanks for being with us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you so much for having me. Now, in case you weren't aware, Roast Magazine recently held their 2023 Roast Summit, a digital event designed for roasters to gain insights and knowledge and connect with fellow coffee professionals. We have a link in the show notes. My conversation with Nick was both enlightening and somewhat concerning. While news journalism and coffee is definitely not attractive financially, but nevertheless, Daily Coffee News and Roast Magazine are proving that these aren't barriers for them to continue providing trustworthy journalism. Now let's dive deeper into the print media space by speaking with Michael Malkin, founder of Standart, a magazine for specialty coffee drinkers who adore long-form print. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, you've got a fabulous magazine, and today's topic is coffee and media. I think one thing that really kind of, kind of comes to my mind, it's a beautiful magazine and it's very boutique. Do you see yourself in the world of media or how do you position and even describe what you do? 
I think we're somewhere at the intersection between coffee, culture, media, magazine, publishing industry. It's just coffee and, and reading is just two of my favorite activities in my life. And it just goes so well together. And I'm really happy I can uh, do that for, for the living. Great. I wonder if you could give us a bit of background on yourself. Yeah, I guess I was slacking high school a lot uh, when I was a kid. And I like to spend times in cafes and I really like the atmosphere inside of coffee shops. Mm. And I always wanted to be a part of that culture, be a part of that world, but I couldn't really find the right way how to go about it. I started doing coffee festivals back in Vienna and Bratislava and Prague a few years back. But at the end of the event, I didn't have any physical results of my work. I had pictures, I had reviews, I had great memories, but I always wanted to do something physical. But I was really into reading books and magazines and especially good quality magazines like New Yorker or Monocle. And I missed this kind of a publication in the coffee world. So uh, I thought, well, let's see if we can if we can do one issue and that there will be some people out there that'll like it. So where is it today? So we are a subscription first magazine. We have two language versions, oh. English and Japanese. Wow. Okay. And nice. combined, we have almost 10,000 paid subscribers. We are still a tiny company, 10 people fully remote. Is the printed format fundamental to, to your product? Do you see crossing over into digital in any way? It is very much fundamental. Mm. We would have a hard time to translate the, the stories, the ideas that we'd like to translate mm -hmm. through a different medium than print. Do you feel that in your own business, that, that there, there is a need to go digital at some point? For us, online and digital is super important for building the audience, for marketing, uh -huh. for even hosting events. We recently launched a digital community for the readers of Standards that we called uh, Surprisingly Standard Community with some, with some additional content, with the opportunity for our readers to connect with one another. I'd like to call us channel agnostic. Like, mm -hmm. What is really online, offline these days? It's, yeah. it's all interconnected. The core product and the, uh, the tactile experience is very much connected to its being print. But there could be some surrounding uh, activities that we're doing that are around it, but print will play the major part. Yeah. We get the question, like, when everyone's moving to digital, why are you still doing print? Yeah. And my answer is always essentially repeating the same questions, saying, because everyone <laughs> is doing digital, we stand out with high quality print. Yeah. And it's, as you mentioned, like the costs of things moving around, the costs of print, it's just so difficult to run yeah. an independent print magazine about specialty coffee. Even, even when I say it out loud, it just sounds ridiculous yeah. to an independent print magazine about specialty coffee for a living. My grandparents still don't believe that that could be an actual thing. Yeah. This is also like one of the ways why we are subscription first so yeah. we can make the economics work for us better. It's more environmental friendly. That's why we are fully remote. Like we don't need uh, like huge offices yeah. where we meet every day. We can achieve so many things with the team spread 
across six time zones easily with the digital technology of, of today. And curiously, you know, Japan being such an important audience base for you, is that the nature of the sort of the Japanese coffee consumer, the also very curated, very visual, very particular about detail? Is, is that the reason why Japan is the second language for this magazine? When we begin publishing Standard back in 2015, we were considering different language versions. And Japan seemed as a great opportunity for testing the editorial vision of Standard and also to learn new things. Because it's a very peculiar audience because the love for coffee is very strong, just as the love for art and craft. So for us, the combination of being a print magazine printed on high quality paper with great artwork and with content that's written by like contributors from all over the world outside of Japan. So it has this like international flair to it. But it's written in Japanese, so it's accessible mm. to everyone in Japan. A combination of this was perhaps the reason why it, why it took off so well. And, and are you looking to launch in any other languages? We've had so many opportunities, ideas to do a, I don't know, Greek version, Indonesian, Korea, Chinese. Uh, and we've tried a couple of the language versions and published some issues in the past. Mm. But over the last couple of years... We begin doing less mm. as a team, as a company, in terms of doing multiple things. Yeah. We begin doing less and we're doing better. And that's a trajectory I'd like to continue in because the English-speaking market and the Japanese-speaking market is still so, so big that we are just at the beginning. Is the US a big market for you or is, that, or is it more of a European and Asian sort of audience? The majority of our readership is in the States the, of the English issue followed by the UK, Germany, Canada. I see a lot of, lot of room for growth for us in, in Australia and New Zealand. It's just, just so far away from our warehouse in Berlin yeah. uh, that it's, uh, it, it takes a while for, for the magazines to get there. And also, like US is already our biggest market, but given the size of the market, our readers are just a fraction of the local coffee community or local coffee communities within the country. Well, what are some of the controversial articles or topics you might have put out there, not shied away from? One of the big ones we published in 2022, uh, it was a long-form piece co-authored by Professor Jonathan Morris. It was called Decolonization, the History of Coffee. Yeah. And it was a really deep dive into the dark past of the coffee industry and the coffee history. And it was, it was an article written very pragmatically, objectively, with a lot of data, with a lot of sources. And it was recently recognized as the best coffee writing award by Sproch. To me, it was a, and to our team, it was a great accolade. Thanks so much for joining us here on Fifth Wave. Thank you, Jeff, for the invitation. Happy to be here. Michael's success with Standart is a testament to the fact that the specialty coffee industry is large enough to sustain a remarkable variety of audiences. Indeed, it's clear that there is no global media monolith in coffee. It's a space with many small players, all of whom serve very specific geographic, linguistic, and content needs. For example, here at Fifth Wave, we serve you, an English-speaking listener who enjoys podcasts and you're interested in business and global entrepreneurship. 
Given its enormous scale and potential, another fascinating market to consider is specialty coffee in China. And to explore this market, we now speak with Nicole Wu, manager of Coffee TNI, a coffee media business based in Shanghai. Coffee TNI is a magazine printed in Mandarin, Vietnamese, and English. A social media channel with over 120,000 followers on WeChat and 60,000 on China's Twitter equivalent Weibo. Coffee TNI also runs events and other content creation services for local coffee brands. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. So. I wonder if you could give us some details about Coffee Tea and I magazine. How big is the global readership? Unfortunately, since 2018, the printed magazine business going worse because of the social media. People have more channels to get the information from internet, and our readerships goes fewer, uh, fewer. At that time, we, we realized that we need to build up our own social media platform. Then, besides magazine, we have the Weibo, WeChat, and also Instagram and website. Now we have free language only because some of the country partners cannot survive to cover the cost of printing and also the coverage in the local market. That's how we only have three languages now. We now have simple for Chinese, English, and Vietnamese. We make the English version first, together with our editorial team overseas. We have English editor and contributor in other countries. So how many people work on, on the magazine in China now? We are now in Shanghai office. We have 12 staff. We have online social media team and also have the uh, magazine auditorial team. We have designer. We also have the event team. We host our own event like Coffee Tiana Latte R competition and Boas Cup in local market. Target the barista and coffee lover. Meanwhile, uh, cafe owners are also our important follower in China. We also have our own coffee guys project. We make coffee guide in eight cities. Um, in Shanghai, there is special market here because each year we will renew the Shanghai coffee guide. 30% of uh, to 40% Shanghai coffee house in last year already closed. Oh, wow. Are they closed permanently or do you think they'll come back? They are not come back. The newcomer, the newcomer come to the market. Some of the old Coffee house, they close, but they do not open again. I guess lockdown has is, is been much more relaxed now in China, right? Yes. We are now <laughs> coming back to the normal life. Uh, in these three months, we feel like we have a nightmare. Yeah. Just a nightmare overnight. People going back to their business in Shanghai. But the coffee market now changed a lot. So... All this change that you've seen, you've, there's been COVID, there's been rapid growth that has been starting and stopping, and now back to some kind of new normal. What does that mean for the coffee media industry, especially in China? I think we have few coffee media in China. We are the only one printed magazine now in China market. 
The other two, they cannot survive and they changed to a training company and they focus more on the video now. I think we also have our own stand in this market because we are in this coffee industry. We get connected all the coffee professional and connected also with the barista, cafe owner, uh, the professional judging and also with the customer size. That's why we have we need to have the event. Can, tell me about what your events, uh, where are they held and how many people come? The competition is quite interesting in China market, I should say, from the Latte Art side. We have our China Latte Art competition, but uh, we also have the local small regional Latte Art competition. One of them is our, uh, from Coffee TNI. The other is PCA, Latte Art competition. There are some, some two or three small coffee Latte Art competition. Why this uh, Latea competition is popular in past four years? Because latte is the star product in the coffee house. Wow. People consume more lattes in coffee menu in coffee house. People would like to see more Latea and the barista. Why they join this Korean, they, they start from Latea. And so your business is really one of the the main media businesses in coffee are there any other bigger competitors at all playing in the Chinese media market? Now, I should say the uh, social media platform is the biggest player in this market. We have Chinese version TikTok. This platform, everybody can be their own media. That is biggest challenge for us because the normal coffee consumption, the belief in what they see in the social media now. Even the newcomer, they will see they are the Q grader, they learn the Latte Art course or the SCA course, they become an expert and show the knowledge on their social media. Um, pe- people will contact them by social media and learn, learn some course from them. What will we see that is the new market. So I understand you offer a content creation service for coffee companies. Tell us more about that. Uh, most of our clients have their own WeChat platform. Every company can have their own account. They share the news every day or every week. Some of the client or some of the sponsor do not have the professional writer. We can offer our service to running their social media as well. Mm, that's how we survived in, in last year. That's been absolutely fantastic. Nicole, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Oh, thank you. Nicole's interview is proof that sustaining a traditional print media business in Asia's coffee industry is truly difficult. During COVID, Coffee Tea and I had to shutter a number of their print languages while also broadening their services to include events and a content creation service. Even in the age of AI and chat GPT, I believe that good journalism is an essential pillar for the coffee industry, and we need to support coffee media to keep our industry thriving. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly Coffee Dose, our newsletter, collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Link in the show notes. 
This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Brister. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Wolf Cry by Katie Ferreira. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated.